The owl from Harry Potter gets his dick cut off. <laughs> this is spoilers. Wow, that's good. One of the better spoilers. That's awesome. Her dick cut off, Kylo. Come on. Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Spoilers. I'm your host, Corey, Kylo Ren memes. And I will be the head wig of tonight's episode. And let's introduce the uh, Angry Inch, my band, my fellow podcasters. Um, since we're doing a movie review on a musical, I want you guys to say who you are and tell me two musicals that you like. They can be your favorite or just two that you like. Uh, you can say why if you want, and you can also say where you're recording out of, but I find that kind of pointless. Um, Brett, you go first. Whoa. And you can say three. <laughs> I have three, actually. Only Brett. I knew it. No, but I was going to narrow it down to two. Well, I'll say three, I guess. You said three. This is Brett. Uh, you don't need to know where I'm re- recording from. A secret location. My three... I completely went away from Disney movies. I didn't even count those. I didn't even think of them, so I'm not going to use those. Uh, my three are... Wizard of Oz, uh, 1939, uh, An American in Paris, 1951, and My Fair Lady, 1964. Lovely. L- uh, loverly. Pappy, you go next, please. Uh, yeah, this is Pappy recording from Simi Valley, California. Hey. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick... My favorite movie of all time is a musical. Fantasia. That's The Muppet oh, yeah. Christmas Carol, uh, which I absolutely love. Talks about it on the Best of the 90s podcast that we did with Film Dylan. Second one, I'm going to stay with The Muppets. Damn it. Muppet Treasure Island actually has some... Ba- I'm sorry, Stevie. has some bangers of songs. So if you're not into musicals, The Muppets provide an easy backdoor into some, some cool songs and movies. Uh, by the way, when you said lovely earlier and I said loverly, the My Fair Lady crowd is going wild right now that reference <laughs> yeah we have a big are. my fair lady audience so oh, definitely i'm glad to hear that my wife's laughing i'm gonna awkwardly insert myself here and go in between stevie and josh um i talked about this on the cats podcast we did a year ago but i love rent um i know pappy that you said you've been in your letterbox review you've been getting some recommendations to watch rent Something tells me that you would hate it. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because you're kind of a hater, but <laughs> I love Rent personally. I loved it since I was a young man. And Everyone has AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. That's, that's the one. I don't know if this one counts, but I really love Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know if, you know, that is a musical technically. I don't know if you count those kind of like Disney No, things, it's a musical. But... It's a musical. It literally singing 70% of the movie. What's this? What's this? Finally watched it. It's great. It's a musical. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are mine. Uh, Stevie. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I don't love Danny Elfman's music, but <laughs> I was gonna tweet this last week, but I forgot because I have horrible ADD. Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. The songs and the score is such a banger. Like, I love that movie, especially for its music. But my favorite—I won't say my favorite ones, but ones I really like. Uh, one was recent, I think it was 2016, maybe 2017, which was Sing Street. Oh, yeah. Sing Street, absolute banger. Man, what would be another musical that's not super obvious? You love La La Land, don't you? Yeah, that's really obvious, though. Um, love and Mercy, another spoilers episode. It's not a musical, though. 
Trying to think here. I'll say, because Pappy took my Muppets one, which is always awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. I'll say Fiddler on the Roof. I do love me some Fiddler on the Roof. Classic. Well, that leaves us with Brother Josh. Brother Josh here, recording out of Goshen, Indiana. Um, I like saying that because I feel like it builds community. So... Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yay to who, all the Hoosiers out there. Who? who? We did it. Don't break. <laughs> <laughs> we did a pod on Hamilton. I, I like surprisingly like that a lot, even though I find it weird that Lin-Manuel Miranda is the only person nominated for best actor when he's like the weakest actor and singer in it. It's not even the cool one. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Anyway, my actual answers are South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. That is actually Spoilers Episode 141. Nice. I Yes, Brett? That wasn't me. That was Pappy putting clitoris in again. Oh. No, it wasn't. And (laughs) Beatles love Cirque du Soleil. Does that count? I saw that live in Vegas once, and it's kind of like being on really hard drugs, but you're not. It's pretty sweet. (laughs) The mushrooms are turning on me. (laughs) <laughs> I really wanted to see that one. I really like the Beatles, though. Like, I even like the movie Yesterday, weirdly, even though it's not good. But, like, no. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil stuff is actually, like, really cool to watch, if anyone's ever seen that. Well, I'm sure you'd like Across the Universe then, or you've probably already seen it. That's a good I've one. I've seen it. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> We're potting Let It Be, right? When that comes out? For sure. Yeah, maybe do two different versions of that, Pappy. The old one and the new one. Oh, I like it. I, I, I pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> Sing Street, number 48, by that the way. That was 48? Classic Explorers episode. Long Ooh. time ago. Got to have those notes ready, Stevie. That was some ground floor action right there. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go into Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I, Stevie, did you have like some kind of score to settle about this Cats thing? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I enjoy the new Cats movie unironically. I think (sighs) it's a fun film. I hate James Corden more than any other celebrity on this planet. But once I move past him even being in the movie, I enjoy it. Corey, I just want you to tell me two things you like about the movie Cats. See, this two things shit. You said one thing, and I was like, okay, I can think of one thing. I need two. I'm feeling it. I need two. <laughs> I am glad that they edited out the buttholes. So I'll give the movie that. It did not show exposed buttholes. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I was talking about the Beatles, you guys. Paul McCartney does a cool car pool karaoke with James Corden. Just saying. All right, you can do, you can do your number two now, Corey. You got you to poop? I don't oh. have a number two, man. Fuck that movie. Yeah, do your number two. <laughs> do your Corey. number two. On cats. <laughs> Try to give you time. Okay, open wide. I'm sorry. There's there's no number two. That movie is something else. It's really bad. I think one day you look back on it and you'll say, I really like that movie. One day. <laughs> That's what they do here, guys. They bully me into submission. <laughs> But we're here to talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch, a 2001 film based on a rock musical uh, starring and directed by John Cameron Mitchell. I guess to get right into the movie, Pappy, maybe you can help me out here. The movie opens with present day Hedwig performing with her band, the Angry Inch. And Pappy, maybe you can kind of 
tell us about our lead character. Who is Hedwig? How would you put Hedwig into words for maybe someone that is completely unfamiliar? Well, I guess, you know, if you were completely unfamiliar, like I was the first time I watched this yesterday, it's, it's, a, it's pretty overwhelming in terms of what's going on. There's a lot of androgyny and transgender people in the band. There's a, like animations happening while they're playing. So there's a lot of like sensory overload. And that, that doesn't not extend to Hedwig either. She's very flamboyant. Uh, she, you know, on first impression, she seems to be like a trans woman. She uh, has bl- a blonde wig, fancy makeup, and she's very sexual in her performance. And she's also very, even from this early performance, I say she's very jealous on the stage, right? She like, rips out the microphone of... Um, Yitzhak. What's the actress's name? Yitzhak. Yitzka. Yitzka. There you go. Yitzka. Yeah. So it's some insecurities right away, but very much the center of attention at all times in this uh, Chili's that she's performing (laughs) in or whatever it is. Yes. And we see Hedwig performing at very small venues throughout the movie. Um, There's a lot of that. It's actually, and I, I only caught this recently, it's a restaurant chain that Hedwig tours at throughout the country as she follows Tommy. It's called uh, Bilgewaters. So some made-up restaurant. But yeah, it's basically like a Chili's or a seafood restaurant. Audience seems pretty annoyed by Hedwig. Do they not, Brett? Uh, most of them. Some of them like, just seem to love it. But yeah, most of them are... <laughs> That's some of the funniest parts in the movie to me. Like Early on, and the people are like plugging their ears and... Like, just completely turned off. Like, just because it's loud. I mean, it's loud. It's not the type of music those old fogies want to listen to while they're eating their $8 shrimp platter or whatever they're eating. It's very much like um, a drag queen show. Have you guys ever been to that? That's not an Indiana thing, is it? <laughs> I mean, I've never been to one. I'm sure there are drag shows all over the state, I guess. It's very much like this, where they're in your face. It's, it's very fun. Except, you know, like we said, a lot of the people in the audience here aren't necessarily having fun. Yeah, I just hope whoever hired them for this, like, cross the Midwest <laughs> or whatever it is tour lost their job. It's like, it's our 50th anniversary, Harold. Let's go down to the Bridgewater. <laughs> and it's just this, like, punk band playing in their face. It's like, all things aside, it just seems, like, totally inappropriate for the In venue. Wikipedia, like, it says that it's a, a failing seafood restaurant chain, so... Maybe they're just trying to... They Either they don't care or they're trying to tr- drum up business in a really bad way, I guess. But that's... Isn't she following Tommy Gnosis or whatever it is? Like, isn't she, like, stalking yeah. him? Yeah. Like, is she just playing... What, whatever town has that restaurant, that's what she plays it at? It says <laughs> those restaurants or smaller venues, so I don't know if it's always oh, okay. Bilgewater. That makes sense. One of the things I love about Hedwig is that she does these little stand-up bits in between music sets. Ladies and gentlemen, do you like the pelt? I want you to be honest, because some bitch stopped me on the way in. What poor unfortunate creature had to die for you to wear that? My Aunt Trudy, I replied. Just walked away. Walked away, ladies and gentlemen. What yeah, is the what? Can we decide what's yes, now? Yeah. I am thrilled! You can join me for the fabulous first night of the St. Louis leg of my world tour. And when it comes to huge openings, a lot of people think of me. There's something about... I feel, like, bad about myself, and I gotta be careful here, but, like, I gotta be honest. When she is on stage, 
I, like I was eating some shrimp fried rice too that I had made myself while I was watching this using my little chopsticks. Started talking about botch surgery yeah. and like it in the movie it makes a guy explode and say the f word and a huge fight ensues so like i felt bad ba- i felt bad for like kind of being grossed out at that point but i don't know guys Dude, talking about botched getting a botched penis cut off is nothing you're not ripping on transgender stuff it's, it's gross like when you're eating it's nothing to do with in my opinion I, I'm, I'm absolving you if you will take my absolution I mean I don't if I'm eating I don't want to hear about surgery right that's what I'm saying I, you don't have to feel bad about it I don't really want to hear about genitalia and I certainly don't want to right. hear about genitalia surgery botch yeah. long story short when I woke up from the operation I was bleeding down there I was bleeding from a gash between my legs. It's my first day as a woman. Already it's that time of the month. But two days later, the hole closed up. The wound healed and I was left with a one-inch mound of flesh. When my penis used to be, well, my vagina never was. It was a one-inch mound of flesh with the scar running down it like a sideways grimace on an eyeless face. It was just a little bar. Josh has come to seek absolution from the staunchers. That's where you. Oh, Josh K. Rowling. <laughs> we forgive you, my son. Uh, this movie is a lot of Hedwig performing with the band, the Angry Inch, um, but it's also intercut with flashbacks a lot, which um, serve to tell the full story of where Hedwig is now and how she got there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think we should go through some of Hedwig's early history to kind of set things up. I know this isn't exactly in order of the way the movie tells things, but I figure we can go this direction. Uh, Stevie, maybe you can tell us about Hedwig before she was Hedwig, when she was just a young boy named Hansel. Oh, Hansel. Hansel, Hansel. Hansel. Hansel grew up, um, I imagine, if I remember correctly, the Eastern Bloc of Germany, which uh, was the fun side of the wall after it was put up. <laughs> the fun side. Yeah, it looked like the real fun side. It's not funny, but I mean, it, there's something humorous about it. When I forget exactly what the words were, but uh, Hedwig said something really off the cuff, like people like were uh, walking over to the western side if they could and they show people jumping out of buildings and like getting yeah. shot trying to get through the wall like I, I know it's not funny but that part kind of made me laugh but yeah it was uh, Hansel and his mom and Hansel didn't seem like he had the greatest childhood but one of the great escape escapisms for him was rock especially of those who were a tad androgynous or had some gender fluidity, fluidity to them. And <laughs> they lived in this tiny apartment and he would listen to his music in the stove. And I thought it was gross, but I know other people don't. But when his mom was through, I don't know if it was peaches or oranges, but when Tomato, he was like just, cov- just covered in it, I was like, that's just disgusting. <laughs> Especially when he ate it when, after it was already thrown at him. You forgot to mention that... Uh... 
He, as a young boy, used to watch a, a TV show on a little tiny TV called Jesus is Good. Jesus is good. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of this like weird, absurd comedy in this movie that just works for me so well. But it's also like juxtaposed against like all of these tragedies that are happening in his life. Like he's like molested by his dad, mm, yeah. which is like, well, like I, I have a problem with that scene only from the perspective of like the way that the information is presented. Like I was just super confused the first time I watched it because they show them laying in bed normally. And then like Stevie says, this East German tiny apartment, they only have one bed. And then the next, like, like the next instant, the mom's like freaking out on him. Like for molesting him, I was just like confused for like a split second. You know what I mean? Like, did that actually happen? Right. Like, and then that, that was taking. Yeah, I think it was implied. Yeah, it was. For, no, it definitely was for sure. But that just took me out of the movie. You know what I mean? Because I'm like confused at that point. Like, wait, what just happened there? That that was my only complaint. With that. I might just be a simpleton, but I thought because it was delivered to us in a vague manner that it was meant to be vague. Like, like the maybe the mom didn't know, but she suspected. She should certainly slap the hell out of that dude for just suspecting. Seems like she caught him in the act, and they just cut to her slapping him in the face and punching him. You might be right. Again, I'm probably just being a simpleton. That's a tough scene, though. This movie has a lot of ambiguity. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, ambiguity in general is uh, pretty prevalent throughout the movie. Josh, when Hansel is a young man, he's doing something kind of strange here, but he meets someone that impacts his life in a big way. Um, he's sunbathing naked in a bomb <laughs> crater, and he meets Sergeant Luther Robinson, and he receives un gummy berkin, as he puts it. Girl, I, I sure don't mean to annoy you. My name is Sergeant Luther Robinson. My name is Hansel. Luther is silent for a moment as he stares at my little bishop in a turtleneck. Hansel. Well, you must like candy. I like gummibärchen. Josh, if you were offered, would you have taken candy from this man? Good question. Uh, there's a lot of euphemisms going on around this time in the movie, and so I'm going to just say no, I guess. <laughs> Probably not. The taste is completely different from a gummy bear, yet somehow familiar. It's much sweeter than a gummy bear. Wow. And softer, too. I feel so optimistic. I suddenly recognize the flavor in my mouth. It's the taste of power. Damn, Hansel. I can't believe you're not a girl. You're so fine. <laughs> Why don't you take the whole bag? What do you think that means, Corey? Like, what, what does that gummy mean? Gummy? It's a sugar daddy, man. <laughs> yeah. Did Stevie mention how like head head or uh, Hansel's mom took him east when everyone else was going west? Like, so he's in this like strict area of East Berlin, and he's able to get married to this sugar daddy. 
and it's kind of his ticket out, right? This is how he gets to the States and becomes Hedwig and everything is that yeah. he gets attached to this army man who's stationed around. And this also leads to him getting his surgery that was aforementioned because in order to get, <laughs> I can't believe they would do this, but in order to get married, you had to have a full body search to make sure you were a woman. So, but I gotta marry you here in East Berlin, and that means a full physical examination. Well, let's see right away that I have a oh, baby to walk away. You gotta leave something behind to be free, one must give up a little part of oneself. And I know just the doctor to take it. Communism, Josh. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So uh, he had a surgery. Is that the way communism works? Yeah, it's the number one. It's Karl Marx's number one rule of the Communist Manifesto is full body cavity searches. In fact, I think that's the only thing in the book. Didn't like Harvard or Yale used to take naked pictures of all their incoming freshmen back in the day too? Something weird like probably, that. Probably, but God, I, I hope not. Probably though. What? What? Never heard that. Yeah, they did. Look it up. Put it in the show notes. I'm looking it up right now. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Josh, this seems to make you a tad uncomfortable. What's that? This movie. <laughs> this this, yeah. this movie and this area of the movie particularly. <sighs> Man, he. Yeah, it does, man. I have a question for you, Kylo, about this part. Okay. Like, I saw John Cameron Mitchell say Hedwig is not really a trans story. And I didn't read the article. I literally just read the Hollywood head- the Hollywood Reporter headline. So I have no idea, like, what he meant by that. But I don't know. What do you think about that? Because it's not her choice to get the surgery, really, it seems that way. And, like, it obviously doesn't go well and everything. Yeah, this is not a topic that I'm super, like, fluent in, like, gender politics and stuff like that. Fluid in? Except for this and it's Pat are your favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? You only pick movies that deal with gender. Like, I you... pick movies that deal with gender. He loved Jack and Jill. But in my personal life, <laughs> I don't know that much about them because all I have to guide me are these movies. No, but to answer your question, I, I did see that as well. I started to understand it a little bit more as I absorbed further Hedwig media in researching for this podcast. Hedwig, as a character, started out as, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, actually, on like the drag stage. And that was just kind of to test out the character of Hedwig before they created the musical and everything. So I was watching these people find their voice, very excited, and Stephen said... Well, you should do a gig here, but you could only do the character that became Hedvig. You could only do the woman because it's a drag club. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, um, this, this drag character um, named Hedwig, and I was wondering if I could come in and uh, you know, do a performance. It was amazing. I mean, considering what was done at Squeezebox, which was most of the time drag queens coming in doing covers, Hedwig came in with not only rock and roll, but this incredible story about who this person was on stage. I bet you're wondering how some girly boy named Hans from communist East Germany became the stunning creature barely standing before you. After I learned that, I kind of understood a little bit better. 
it's not necessarily a man becoming a woman necessarily, but a man becoming something that is neither man nor woman. That's the way I look at it. And I'm probably wrong. You know, there's probably more um, scholarly folk out there on the topic of this movie, but that's, that's how I take it. Stevie, you're a smart guy. Do you have any input on that? I'll say this. When it comes to this movie, I am the wrong person to ask anything about subtext. I was just really digging this movie for the atmosphere and the music, and I only watched it the one time, so if I watched it a second time, I probably could understand it more, uh, but I am the wrong person to ask, ask that question. <laughs> I have some input there, because I think my favorite parts of the movie are probably the cartoon stuff, and... There's this whole backstory about how man was created and there's like three types of humans. Two men glued to each other, two women glued to each other, and a man and a woman glued to each other. Mm. So I I feel like you are kind of right. Like Hedwig's putting himself in that third category of this like man-woman split or something. Maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, introduced during the song The Origin of Love. The guy that did the music for this, that was the first song he wrote. And it was is based on some Plato book or something like that. Symposium. But I think it is kind of like in the theming of the movie because we see Hedwig basically talking about and actually seeking out what she refers to as her other half. So it's kind of like the, the search for love to kind of complete yourself. It is clear that I must find my other half. But is it a he? Or is she? What does this person look like? Identical to me? Or somehow complementary? Does my other half have what I don't? Did he get the looks? The luck? The love? Were we really separated forcibly, or did he just run off with the good stuff? Or did I? Will this person embarrass me? What about sex? Is that how we put ourselves back together again? Or can two people actually become one again? Which ultimately is not the way that she goes, right? Right. Walks around the streets naked. That's the way she goes. She goes, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a sweet tooth Licorice drops and jelly rolls Sugar daddy, Hansel needs sugar in his bowl. I'll lay out fine shine on the linen and polish up the chrome. If you've got some sugar for me, sugar daddy, bring it home. Brett, what did you think of the music? We were talking about the uh, sugar daddy, and that's kind of intercut with uh, like a somewhat country song called Sugar Daddy. And I really like how they do like the story mixed in with the music and then sometimes the music just tells the story but what do you think about the music as a whole or were there any particular songs you liked i thought the music was really good um that was 
the stories, the way it was set up was really cool. Kind of giving some context at the beginning, a little bit of a preamble, and then the store, uh, the song. I thought I thought this music was really good. I think uh, he, John Cameron Mitchell, not not Hedwig. So he, I think he's super super talented. He's got a really really cool voice. Yeah, no, it was probably the best part of the movie, at least. I mean, it was just really cool. I like how the whole movie was set up, to be honest with you. But yeah, they I mean they could they could rock it for sure. So is that the part where she puts her like stringy mini skirt yep. in the old man's face and goes car wash? That's Corey. That's uh, that's uh, an homage to the stage show, correct? That's right. So in, in a documentary of that I watched, uh, John was saying how there was like a certain seat in the stage that they performed on that he would like walk up to and do that to whoever was sitting in that seat. And uh, he always wore a skirt where that was kind of like stringy to do the car wash effect. But yeah. Uh, funnily enough, uh, when they redid it, I believe it's actually on Broadway with Neil Patrick Harris playing uh, Hedwig. He actually did that to uh, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, because they, they call that like the celebrity seat. Like the, like a, what do your elven eyes see? <laughs> a car wash. A yeah. one-incher. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Look what you've done. You As the movie kind of goes and we see Hedwig and the band... And they're touring and they're interacting. We do get some more flashbacks that tell the story of Tommy. Pappy, maybe you can tell us about how Tommy and Hedwig meet and kind of where that leads them. <sighs> yeah, and you know, I, I'm i really mad that you came to me for this because I was thinking like going into this, I, I would be super hypocritical if I didn't, you know, rip this movie in the same way that I ripped Mallrats several years ago. Like... Tommy's jerking off yeah. in a tub. She is a babysitter at the time. The movie goes out of its way to tell us that Tommy is 17. She goes in, uh, finishes him off, as it were, and then like tosses her card at him. You know, my biggest problem with like on Mallrats was that it was you know a, a sexual assault, basically you know sex with an underage person played for a joke. It's kind of the same thing here. Right, Josh? I, I know I gave you a lot of shit for that, and I even brought it up on Swords and Shields. I, I feel bad about it now. Consistency, Pappy. You're all about consistency. That's me. <laughs> I am the most consistent person on this podcast. Everyone says that. I thought Tommy Gnosis <laughs> was actually 14 at that time, so it was even worse. Uh, no, Tommy was 17, which is the uh, age of consent in Kansas, which is where they were. Really towed that line, didn't they? But you you used the word consent, which uh, was not given, really. So just to help Pappy out there. Not only not only that was consent not given. I mean, I don't. Hedwig is thirty at this point. Even if Tommy was eighteen, it's inappropriate to jerk off someone in high school or have a, I don't know a sexual relationship if you're thirty and they're still in high school living with their parents. Especially Who are you to judge that as an as an authority figure in the house. I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm Mr. Consistency. That's what I am. <laughs> I call him like I see him. So you did not like the handjob scene, I take it. I, I mean, I don't I don't like that it's... Listen, 
I, I also consumed a lot of like Hedwig media like going into this because I was like pretty interested in the backstory of the show and like how it came together because I, I, the first time I watched this I was just totally overwhelmed like what the fuck did I just watch <laughs> and consistently in reviews I hear this really disingenuous thing where people are like oh it's the cycle of trauma or the cycle of abuse repeating itself that is not how the film is treating this at all it is not treating it like a serious abuse like you said it's treating it like someone who is of age and it's like giving this person like a hand job as a joke I is it sex with an underage person like Marats? No, but would they would they make this choice in 2021? I'm a thousand percent sure they would not. I, am I offended by it? That's, I guess a different topic, but it's definitely of its time. I would say. Okay, you want to know about tominosis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you about tominosis. After my divorce, I raped by with babysitting gigs. And odd jobs, mostly the jobs we call blow. <laughs> you know, I had lost my job at the base PX, and I had lost my gag reflex. You do the math. <laughs> I sat for the baby of General Speck, you know. He was the commander of the nearby army fort, and his other son was, yeah, the artist formerly known as my butt boy. <laughs> We're talking about Tommy Speck at this time. Tommy Speck was a 17-year-old classic rock-loving Dungeons and Dragons obsessed Jesus freak with a fish on his truck. I found, I found him incredibly hot. What do you think, Stevie? You hopped on the mall rats train too, if I remember correctly. Honestly, I just hate mall rats. Not because of that reason. I just think it's a really unfunny movie. Well, didn't you guys watch like the extended version? Which no, is, Mikey like, did. Cut weird? Mikey did. No, I just don't like Kevin Smith humor all that much. But yeah, I do think the age thing is weird. Uh, and I don't think it would play well today at all. They just wouldn't do that. 100%, they wouldn't do that one hundred percent. It is. I think it also detract, detracts from the story quite a bit. <laughs> it's not a great look. That part of this movie did not age well at all. I do like though with Tommy Gnosis when he is giving his take on some Bible verses. He seems to be pretty far <laughs> off any like. <laughs> Good, good interpretations I've ever heard. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? No, but I... I love his work. You know, what he was saving us from was his fucking father. I mean, what kind of God creates Adam in his image? and then pulls Eve out of him to keep him company, and then tells him not to eat from the tree of knowledge. I mean, he was so micromanaging, and so was Adam. But Eve, Eve just wanted to know shit. She took a bite of the apple, and she found out what was good and what was evil. 
And then she gave it to Adam so he would know because they were in love. And that was good. They now knew. But it's funny to hear him talk about like Adam and Eve and he seems to be like really taking that st- stuff seriously. Like he's he's really divided between like this rock and roll life and some sort of like Christian, very straightforward upbringing, I feel like. Well, Corey, they, they are in Kansas, right? So he's probably from a pretty conservative town, right? Right, safe to say. Kickapoo. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, it was a long-ass fucking time ago. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess no one else has seen that. All right. I can't believe Stevie hasn't seen that. What's that? Pick a Destiny, Tenacious D. Actually, I've seen it. I haven't seen it in years, though. Oh, it's a Kickapoo song. I've seen that too. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, go well, ahead. Sorry. Thank you, Corey. Thank Maybe you, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> since you've joined us again, you can kind of fill us in more on the Tommy and Hedwig backstory. Like, there's there's some conflict there, and it's kind of I, I'd say the main focus of the story. They became friends and like uh, muses of each other and writing partners and. The the worst thing that she did to him wasn't that handy. It was that he was already listening to good music and she told him to listen to worse music. No. I said it. Screw. Shots screw fired Marie. at David Bowie. So, yeah, they have a nice little thing going on. They're writing cool songs. She kind of, uh, I'll use this word even though it's not exactly what I mean, but kind of she's kind of grooming him, which can mean a lot worse. And he kind of falls in love with her-ish but he she makes a comment that he's never like kissed her and I mean I think he would put a bag over her head when they're being intimate if he could get away with it it's kind of like what's I, and I know it sounds harsh I just meant that's kind of what it's implied like if when they're intimate it's usually one position let's just say they're not looking in each other's eyes so they kind of finally start to do some really weird scene about breathing in my mouth. Uh, not breathing in my mouth, because that's a, an album and a song, but... Yeah, and then he reaches his hand down there, which apparently he's never felt before, and it gets really weird, and that's kind of the end of their relationship. Doesn't she scream at him, love me in the front, or love yeah. my front side, yeah. or something yeah, like love that? love me in the front, yeah, mm-hmm. oh god. You are such a sissy! What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What? I love you. I love you. I love the front took me, honey. Love the. That's what makes me uncomfortable in this movie. It's not if she is trans or is gay or whatever. It's just pointing out the botched small wiener. Making me think about a little cut up weenie all the time. Like Pound of they flesh. go out of their way so many times in this movie. But it's kind of the the thing about I mean her life Pappy kinda of mentioned it earlier, like whether she's gay or trans or whatever, it's kinda of like she was pushed into that way, kind of. I mean, I would say he was definitely gay early on and then kind of uh embraced the female and he was just confused about the rest of the time. I didn't you know I'm jumping back and forth, but yeah, it was super uncomfortable at times, but it is a tragedy though. You're right. Cause I feel like his mom 
kind of forced him to do it. And he is very young. Yeah, she didn't help her out. Yeah, and he, I mean, she loved the guy. And, you know, when you're maybe feeling like you're not in the right body or whatever, for someone to love you and regardless of how weird he was, just it all happened super fast too. I mean, it was like literally within a day, right? Like, you oh, you got to go do this tomorrow. So, yeah, it's it's tragic, but yeah, she likes to bring attention to it. Right. Now, Josh, I I can see that you're not uh, a, the biggest fan of the Angry Inch itself, but <laughs> <laughs> this whole section kind of like bleeds into the um, Angry Inch song that Hedwig yeah. performs. The main song of the movie. Are you into the song? Not really. I don't really like musicals, man. Six inches Mm. forward and five inches back. Come together. (laughs) Get it, Brad. Oh, wait, no. I was singing the Paul Abdul. I will say I enjoyed the formulaic kind of each performance dissolving into a different type of chaos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's pretty fun. The music itself, I will say I enjoyed thinking about songs that those songs like reminded me of because they take a lot from classic rock and I think they're well done. I I'm just not super into the music scenes. I thought the uh, I thought those cartoons were the best part, Corey. <laughs> cool. Kylo, here's what I did. Here's how dedicated I am to a Kylo Ren host. I watched the movie, then I listened to the whole album, then I watched the movie again. And I'll say this, like, I like the songs way more, but I'm not trying to interpret, like, these abstract cartoons that are on the screen and decipher, like, okay, what is the origin of love again? Like, when you can just, like, listen to the music, I thought it was, like, way more enjoyable. I was jamming, like, some of them going to make it to my main playlist for sure. Happy Pappy? <laughs> Chill Pappy. I could see six inches forward, <laughs> five inches back on there. Yeah, Chill Pappy's more of, like, what's the song at the end? Uh, Midnight Radio. That could, that could, like, make some chill pappy appearances. I had recently returned to my first love of music. I had tried singing once back in Berlin. They threw tomatoes. After the show, I had a nice salad. <laughs> but newly motivated, I got myself a cheap electric piano, and I found a couple of Korean sergeant's wives who churned out a mean rhythm section. One of the songs that plays during the part where Hedwig and Tommy kind of start getting together for the first time is Wicked Little Town, which is the, it's like a piano ballad that he plays in a donut shop, or that she plays, excuse me, in a donut shop with the Korean sergeant's wives. (laughs) Right.
that song is my jam right there. And I really like that whole bit. It's like when Hedwig first is trying to get a name for herself in music and she just kind of puts together this like ragtag group of randos and they fucking play in donut shops. <laughs> and Hedwig's been like turning tricks all over town. So like all the guys that are there are smiling at her. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Pappy, I did see your letterbox review, and I saw that you had some issues with Wig in a Box, which is one of the songs that comes up kind of as Tommy leaves Hedwig to go do his own thing. Wig in a Box, I think, is just like a great music video. It's almost like they just wanted to make a self-contained music video, in my opinion. Was it just like the sing-along part of it that you were having issues with? You know, like I said, the first time I'm watching this movie, I went in totally cold. So it was at this point, I'm like, oh, this wants to be Rocky Picture Show for sure. Like this wants to have a cult following. Like it has all this, like many similar elements. Like that's what it aspires to be. And like, yeah, like literally when I first saw like the, the words on screen, I did cringe a little bit. But then I heard in like my subsequent research that that was even part of like the original stage show is that they would get a fucking like projector and that a, a testicle sack would be like he said follow the bouncing balls and they would like go the testicle sack would like go over the words and, like when I heard that I'm like okay that's pretty funny actually that's pappy humor so I I hated it less the second time fair enough yeah does Hedwig have a ball sack where else would it, her pee be stored <laughs> <laughs> P is stored in the brain. <laughs> oh. uh, Stevie, things kind of like slowly get worse for Hedwig as she starts to follow and stalk Tommy more and more and starts to have problems with the band and uh, Yitzhak or Yitzka. I, I wrote down both, so fucking. <laughs> uh, maybe you can kind of expand on how things are going there. So. Yeah, things aren't going great. Hedwig is on his stalker tour, and his her manager is kind of enabling her uh, to say, you know, we're going to get this great lawsuit because Tommy... What's his name again? Gnosis? Yeah, that's what he changes his name to. Stage name Tommy Gnosis. We have this great lawsuit because he's, you know, the hot shit in music right now, and you're the reason for all his success. And... There is kind of a humorous scene when they try to charge, like, his kind of, like, release or album party or whatever. (laughs) And I thought that was really funny. When they tried to storm it and the security guys had no issues with them whatsoever, and her manager just looks at her and goes, okay, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, (laughs) Kind of a regrouping point. But Hedwig, getting close to the end, like, is not a great person at all, like... Is it Yitzka or Yitzak? Yitzak. There it is. Yitzak. Okay. When he, you know, lands that part for rent and saying, you know, I'm going to go on and do great big things. I'm going to leave you behind. I want a divorce, which I had no clue they were even married. But when Hedwig uh, rips up his passport, it's kind of one of those things where everyone's just kind of stunned. And even her manager, who's been enabling her, through this ridiculous lawsuit the entire time uh, is like, no, I'm out. Like, that's one step too far. Yeah. And as a quick funny side note, her name is Phyllis Stein. I make lamb from my big fat Greek wedding, Andrea Martin. I think 
I didn't realize it at the time, but it's pretty messed up. Hedwig was openly going on the stalker tour while married to Yitzhak. And, like, that's a pretty messed up thing to do. Like, you hit it the nail on the head. Hedwig sucks at this point in the movie. Like, she's, she's holding, like, not only is it another person's passport hostage, like, her husband's passport hostage. That's, like, just such an insanely cruel thing to do. And, like... Okay, is Yitzhak supposed to be a cis man? Is that like a thing? Kind no, of? no, that that's a real woman, right? For sure. But but they're married. I wait. Did not mean that. I did not mean real in that no, way. No, we got it. We, we, we know. A cis woman. It's played by a cis woman. But Kyla, is that supposed to be a cis man? That's, I'm very confused by that because that's what people were saying when I started looking stuff up. I'm like, no, no way. I thought it was supposed to be a cis man. I thought it was supposed to be a trans man, but I don't know for sure. I mean, she played her in Broadway, too, so she played the husband. She's supposed to be a, a cis male, if that's what you want to say, in my opinion. Yeah. The only reason I say I think it's a trans man is because there is a deleted scene for the movie where they meet, and Yitzhak appears to be a woman at that point, and basically says, will you marry me so I can leave this country? And I, I know it's a deleted scene, so it doesn't count, but it kind of gives the idea that, like, they're only really together because of that, like just so that Yitzhak could, or Yitzka, Yitzhak, goddamn, could leave Croatia, which is where they met in the deleted scene. But Yitzhak's triumphant moment at the end is putting on the blonde wig and being like a female exalted in the audience, right? So that's even more confusing. And I think a lot of this is ambiguous and confusing and Pat esque. I think it is ambiguous and confusing. I don't think it's very much like it's Pat at all. I think they're the exact same movie. Actually. I might not be, you know, smart enough to see that, so you have to forgive me. <laughs> I think Yitzhak's biggest problem with Hedwig, outside of the whole passport thing, is like wanting to, I think, be in the limelight and being denied that. Like that's kind of where the animosity leading up to that point comes from, right? Were you guys kind of picking up on that, yeah. like Hedwig un- unplugging the mic and stuff? I'm just reading about the story on the actual in the actual off broadway it's a lot more there's a lot more about yitzhak on here a lot more jealousy by hedwig because of apparently yitzhak's more talented and they said they purposely got a female actress to blur the gender lines even more Mm. it sounds like they bitterly resent each other and but they're also codependent with each other so that's kind of like that That it seems a little meaner Oh, no, it's, it says unhealthy codependent relationships. So. <laughs> Kyle, you're a big rent guy. Would she have been good in the part? Or he? I, I think so. However, I am always annoyed when I see the insert shot of the rent flyer because they get one of the character descriptions wrong, which is just so strange to me that they got it wrong. It would have been so easy. Um, Collins, who is one of the characters, is described as an aspiring musician. But that's not Collins, that's Roger. So they just mixed up that one note. It's kind of an annoying thing for a Rent fan. But to get back in the story, Josh, maybe you can tell us about how Hedwig again meets up with Tommy. And it kind of seems like things are going to work out. It's like Hedwig's going to maybe reunite with Tommy as she wants. But it doesn't really work out, does it? Uh, I don't know. It kind of actually does work out. So... She hits rock bottom after tearing up this passport. Um, The band and the manager, everyone leaves her. And the person she's been stalking 
comes and picks her up and she's the reason i say she's at rock bottom i guess is because she's like the only job she has again is prostitution right like she's on the street for money because she has nothing and a limousine pulls up and lo and behold it's tommy gnosis and they start driving drunk together in this limousine and like making out and stuff and they get in a wreck and then it cuts to this like montage of newspapers <laughs> and i guess how it plays out is that tommy gnosis uh once the story came to light just denied that he really knew anything about hedwig but then hedwig rises to fame on like the new york scene because of how fun she seems so she does kind of it's almost like the guy from office space that gets like paralyzed but then he gets like all the work benefits workman's comp <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, Brett? Yeah, He's I'm like, trying to remember his name. <laughs> Fuck. I know the guy, though. Yeah, the jump to conclusion guy. Like, he's paralyzed, but he's like, someday maybe you'll get as lucky as me, Peter. <laughs> so maybe someday you'll get hit by a car and become famous in New York like Hedwig. Right. Hedwig gets all, like, now the public notoriety that she's kind of been seeking. There's a quick moment that shows Hedwig on the... Rosie O'Donnell like talk show that used to be a thing back in the day well Hedwig was actually on that show a couple years before so they just kind of used a small like real clip of that which is kind of a neat thing I actually watched that earlier today Uh, Pappy, maybe you can kind of lead us into the end of this though there's there's three songs at the end and I want to kind of get your interpretation what starts to occur at the end. Like I mentioned, there's there's three songs that go on, and I think uh, some of these are kind of more symbolic than others. On the other side Of a town ripped in two Yeah, the first one. I don't. I don't know. The, can you name me the name of the song? Uh, I believe it's "Exquisite Corpse," which is like the the punk rock song. Yeah, punk rock song, which makes a lot of sense too, because she's talking about um, pieces of herself that she has given along the way, and it's kind of a good, you know, recap of the movie where she's talking about, you know, her dad and her man and her mom and all that stuff. I gave a piece to the rock star. He took the good stuff and ran. And then, kind of symbolically, uh, she's like ripping off all of her clothes too, and she's got this kind of like bubble wrap outfit on, which even tears off that and. As she's talking about kind of like rebuilding 
herself or, or becoming whole. And then it's like, you know, hardcore punk rock, like high anger intensity song. It starts off really slow. She She's ripping off her clothes at this point and smashing the tomatoes, which she, she was using for breasts, which we had talked about earlier in the movie, or like her mom threw at her. And I, I don't know, it's... This is where I could kind of see where it's not necessarily... Where John Cameron Mitchell says it's not necessarily a transgender movie because it's almost like she's they she will stay with she she's not even you know like a woman anymore at this point she's becoming something else right, right like she, exactly. she's rejecting all of these she's got like her other half back yeah makeup is smeared wig is off she gave it to Yitzel like Yitzel <laughs> <laughs> Yentel. Yentel. Yenta, Yenta, Yenta. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Stevie, this somewhat transformed Hedwig, kind of confronts Tommy. There's a, It's basically a musical performance, but uh, what were you kind of getting from that? I mean, I'll give my interpretation as well, but I wanted to see where you're coming from. Forgive me for I did not. Just a boy, you were so much more God could ever plan more than a woman or a man. Once again, wrong person for subtext. <laughs> you got this, Stevie. It's a Stevie question. That's, no, uh, wrong person for subtext. I did enjoy these like scenes, though, especially when... Uh, Hedwig is, like you guys mentioned, becoming just something else other than fully embracing man or fully embracing woman. Uh, Just kind of something on his or her own um, plane. But um, I really liked the kind of, I guess you could say, cinematography or how cinematic this movie is. I thought the camera work was absolutely incredible throughout these scenes, especially when it was cutting between like Tommy then to Hedwig. But as far as the subtext goes, wrong person. I have no idea what it means, but there's almost like this like angel devil look to it, right? Where Hedwig is all red and Tommy's now like all mm-hmm. white and he has like his cross and stuff. Like I, I had no idea what I'm supposed to think about that, but that's what I was thinking of when I saw it. Yeah. I think I think uh, actually Wikipedia's got a really nice little sum up for it in my mind. I can read it if you'd like. Yeah, let's see if it's close to what I was thinking. I think it's, uh, I mean, it, it's pretty evident. It seems like the split between the two of them. like they're, Right. And I, I think it's all, I mean, the first two words are forgive me, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think so. It says like it takes place in like a non-real space, uh, maybe in her mind. It says, now in male form, Hedwig discovers herself alone in front of Tommy on a huge stage. Tommy sings to Hedwig, pleading forgiveness and saying goodbye. She realizes that she created her other half from within herself. It's like the whole point of the movie. Um, and then when you go back, it's like the same Times Square thing, but it's just completely white. It's just everything's different. So I don't know if that's her being pure again or... Let's go to Stevie for subtext on that. 
Well, Tommy Gnosis is using the Jesus fish now. It's a symbol, so... Good for him. That says something. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus character confirmed. Jesus character is the cartoon. That takes us to pretty much the end, I think, with uh, the last song, Midnight Radio. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Brett was describing it. Hedwig is no longer the version of Hedwig that we knew. Everyone's all white. I think this is also one of those things that's maybe not really occurring, but it's kind of just like a, a come to terms with everything that's happened moment. A dream or a song hits you Josh, give me something, man. Oh, so in this last performance, Hedwig doesn't stop with just taking her tomato breasts out, but she strips all the way down. She's some combination of man and woman, and she walks naked as if she's a newborn person out into the streets, down a canal to be rebirthed into society as something else. <laughs> Why is it spooky? It's snarky. <laughs> that was snark, not spook. Into something else. It is snarky, but the scene is like a little spooky. The alleyway is like dark, and I would hate to be barefoot in a place like that. It looks terrifying. Forget barefoot, he's bare ass. Yeah, he steps in the puddle too. Definitely got those worms that you get from stepping in the puddle there. Doesn't care. Oh, yeah. I like that scene. Um, Corey, I like the scene. I know you mentioned they mentioned it a few minutes earlier, but where Hedwig gives the wig to Yahtzee, and then uh, Yahtzee God. tries to put it back on her head, but then uh, yeah, he turns into female Yahtzee, and it's just really good. I like that. Right, I like the the, the satisfaction of Yitzhak yeah. getting the, I guess like the maybe fame or at least the appreciation from the crowd that he's been looking for, which is like kind of nice because outside of the Wig in a Box music video, Yitzhak is like pretty miserable a lot in the movie. Yeah. So it's good to see that like relief. Man, it's a tough crowd tonight. Do you guys have any final thoughts about Hedwig before we do our wrap-up? Guys, I have something in terms of critical commentary for this last part? Yeah, feel free. The whole movie is very dreamlike and ethereal and, and ambiguous like we've talked about. And I think that works really well for the flashbacks, just in the nature of, like, you know, 
it's memory, right? That's memory is that way. It's not as concrete. This this last like wrap up for the story though, I don't know, man. I don't know if I liked it. It was very rushed. Like things are happening. I'm talking about like from like the time she gets in the car accident. Even like why is the why is the limo driver not there? Like what what is she playing New Year's Eve? Like what is this concert? Like what is happening? Like I. I, I don't know, like, none of us, are, we're all sitting here, none of us can come up with any, like, deeper symbolic meaning for it. I don't know if that's, like, a good thing, <laughs> right? In her head? Like, we're all just kind of like, oh, it's, it's weird. So you're saying it didn't happen? Like, none of this happened? I, it's I, kind of what I got from it. I thought it happened, but... There we go. I don't know. Okay. I mean... So it's all a dream? If you're really looking at it, I honestly think this latter part was pretty close to being pretty much in Hedwig's head. Starting from when? The moment that, like, she's, like, prostituting on the street. And it's almost kind of this fairy tale, like, if only Tommy Gnosis was here. And Tommy Gnosis got here. And we could ride off. And, you know, if we got drunk, we got in an accident, you know, Tommy would make up some dumb excuse and I would be famous now. And if I was famous now, then people would be happier around me and I would be happier. Like, that's more so of... Like, right when Hedwig couldn't even afford to pay for pizza and Hedwig was prostituting is pretty much where the in the head starts in my mind. Why is Tommy Gnosis even there? You know what I mean? It's just so rushed and weird. I don't... Well, exactly. That's where it kind of like... Kind of like this knight in shining armor rolls up for like a Cinderella story. But they're... they're I mean, I know New York's huge, but they are in the same city. So, I mean, it's not... Wouldn't be that craziest thing in the world. It's like they're in Mayberry, though, bro. There's 10 million people. Like, I mean, it's massive. The chances of that happening, and, I mean, I don't think they were using iPhones or cell phones heavily uh, when this movie's supposed to be taking taking place. Uh, I just think it's more so in Hedwig's head. Yeah, but Harry and Marv ran into Kevin McAllister multiple times in New York, and the same woman that he slapped her butt, so... <laughs> Uh, if that can happen, it's then Home Alone this rules. Happen. It explains everything. <laughs> home <True>. Alone rules. <laughs> I feel like I was the lone voice on another old spoilers movie since we're tossing back to old movies. But like in Brigsby Bear, there's a point where it seems like Kyle Mooney is just like in pure fantasy world. And I forget if it was you, Stevie, or Pappy. You guys really wanted to hold on to like it being a true story. Well, it was a. Your take is insane, Josh. It was a hundred percent a true story. Everyone thinks it's a true story. I've never heard anyone say that before or since about Brigsby Bear. Josh thought it was a critical hit piece about why you shouldn't be into fandom. It was so strange. It was a strange take for Brigsby Bear. Anyway, Josh, you were saying. <laughs> no, I just think that's. I just think uh, Brigsby Bear is kind of made up in his head after a certain point, very in a very similar fashion. But, well, do you think this was made up? Is Stevie the only one who thinks? I think what he's that? saying is make it makes sense, but I didn't get that sense like in my first watch, first and only watch of the movie. A lot of this movie feels like it could be made up. I guess like. Right. Like the energy of this movie and like the editing styles that are used are very like 2000s mm -hmm. music video ish where I think things could be potentially exaggerated or in some cases symbolic for Hedwig's journey. I mean, Pappy talked about that in the flashbacks, but I don't think it's necessarily limited to that. 
my only other final thought was this is somehow the second podcast in a row featuring a character from the TV show Girls where we talked about transgender issues. Uh, we talked about that on the last episode, The Possessor, which is just, I don't know what I'm going to pick next. I got to find something very niche, though, after I win this trivia. Oh, yeah. Cocky boy. All right, so that means it's time for yes and no's. Let's go around and hear these no's. Brett, you're first. I'm always first. Uh, first or last? Um, yeah, this is a this is a yes for me. I, I enjoyed this, so um, thank you. I liked the story structure. Um, I like the preamble, song, flashback, move, repeat. Uh, you know, and I, I think what Stevie said, I think the camera work was all really cool, especially at the end with uh, the white and the red. Somebody mentioned that with Gnostic or uh, Gnosis. So I thought it was really cool. Um, it might not be a movie I watch again, but there might be some jams I listen to again. I think the best. Yeah, no, I think this is good. Good pick. Cool. I'll take it. Josh. Yes and no, dog. Um, <laughs> oh. I just it's kind of got a grimy feel to it and mm. i i don't particularly like the cinematography it, it kind of feels all over the place um not much symmetry just a different taste it's not like terrible i just don't like it i don't really like musicals so musicals kind of have to be on like next level shit for me to give it a yes but hamilton aladdin <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know why I like Hamilton. It's weird, but <laughs> this is a no for me. Sorry, Corey. It. I don't regret like watching it. It's a. It's a unique experience that I won't soon forget. All good. No worries, man. Thank you for being honest, Pappy. Yeah. After the rewatch, I'd go as far as like a hard yes for this one. I think there's a lot of like interesting things going on thematically um, especially when you're talking about like, the origin of love stuff that Josh was talking about like I, I just really like that kind of like concept and you know from like the Berlin Wall like playing with like the division and the theme and like how it falls and Berlin comes together and eventually you know she comes together it's uh, there's a lot of, a lot going on and like I was like I said, pretty overwhelmed the first time I watched it like one you're trying to decide you know is this real is this not real until you're like trying to decide like, okay, what, what are they even trying to say with this, whether or not it is real. But the, the last thing I would say would be though, you know, if, if not to speak for a community, but if I were, you know, in the transgender community, I would keep fighting for a movie starring a transgender person about like an actual transgender journey. Like I don't understand how that movie hasn't been made when there's such a huge demand for Rocky horror picture show. This has a huge cult following. Like, why not give this group of people like actual representation? I guarantee it'll be like financially profitable for you to do based on everything I've seen. But Kyle, I'm really glad you picked this hard. Yes. Uh, for me may not be in my rotation cause it's pretty tragic at times, but I, I enjoyed these, these couple of watches and learning more about it. Nice. I'm going to insert myself next again. Um, Pappy, I did see a pretty interesting movie about a transgender woman starring a transgender woman in 2017. It's called a fantastic woman, so there is that one that I've seen. I know there's not a whole. But it's got to be a musical. That's what. That's there's a huge demand for that. I don't understand why it hasn't happened. True. Yeah, uh, you're right. There's not a lot, but my opinion of this movie is very high. I love this movie a lot. 
I only saw it maybe four years ago, and uh, I like it a little bit more every time I see it. I like the music more every time I listen to it. This is really my kind of movie because it's like grimy, it's in your face, it makes me laugh. It's just like that dirty feel to it that I think it was Josh was <laughs> touching on. I, I just kind of like that. Uh, I think earlier I said it reminds me of a 2000s music video, and uh, it, it does in a good way, if, if that makes any sense. Not a Linkin Park, maybe something more edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, why don't you go? Man, oh man. I've only said this a few times on this pod. I think I said it with Jordan when he picked Heat. I think I said it to Brett when he picked American Movie. And I'll say this now. This is one of my favorite movies we've ever covered on this podcast. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, The music is awesome. I think the acting is great. It is all over the place. It is grimy. It is tragic. It's funny. It's also 90 minutes long. Like That is a huge, huge boost uh, for this movie, but... Uh, yeah, what, this is the hardest of yeses for me. One of my favorites we've covered. I'm so happy you picked it because I had never even heard of it or seen it. And having watched it, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome movie. Wow, I'm shocked. Uh, I kind of got the vibe that you didn't like this as we were covering it, but I guess I just... Oh, no, no, I, I love this movie. It was hard for me to contain myself at times. You just didn't want to talk about the subtext. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Corey... You got a lot of yeses tonight, and that's cool, but you have a weird movie taste. Pappy and I were actually discussing this privately earlier. Like, I can't wait till we finally see you in person. I would love to watch a movie with you. I just want to watch you watch a movie. I got to get to the bottom of this, man. (laughs) We'll all get together and throw on some Danish girl and have a great time. It'll be fantastic. (laughs) You know, if you guys want to see me, like, really excited in a movie theater, it has to be my first viewing of a new Star Wars movie, which I know a lot of you guys hate the new Star Wars movies, but um, I think you'd, you'd see the little kid in me if you got to see me watch one of those for the first time. That would probably be the, the funnest experience. So if you are super happy watching a new Star Wars movie, are you that same way each episodes of the Clone Wars that you watch? <laughs> Every Ooh. new episode you see? Uh, as it progresses, more and more so, definitely. It gets better, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I don't want to... That's only available on Patreon, sadly. So let's not get too into that in the free show. (laughs) Well, I guess that means it's trivia time. This is Poor Man's Jeopardy! Kylo, is it true that you're still in the running to replace Trebek? (laughs) Yes, it's true. In fact, uh, I'm down to the final, so... Wow. (laughs) Remember us. (laughs) All right. Quick bit of info for any new listeners. Here at Spoilers, we rotate hosts based on who wins the last episode's trivia. So whoever wins this trivia is going to get to pick the next movie we review, and they will also host that episode. So it's not me every time. We rotate based on this, and we do different trivia games. Uh, This game is somewhat similar to regular Jeopardy. I have a board with four categories. They have different point values. Our contestants here are going to choose a category, point value, etc., etc. You must respond in the form of a question. You guys have all played this before, though, so you already know. For the listeners at home, the categories are... 
musicians in film, films set in Indiana, oh, Harry Potter movies, and Disney live-action characters. Each correct response will be the name of a character from a live-action Disney film. All right, you guys got the board. Pappy, you're up first. This is honestly my favorite game in all of Spoilers Trivia. I don't think I've ever started on the Schneid. Well, I hope someone appreciates it. It takes a very long time to make. I have The listeners love it. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. I'm going to go film set in Indiana for three, Kylo. <sighs> all right, this one's a little bit wordy, so forgive me. <laughs> set in the fictional town of Greenleaf, Indiana... This romantic comedy follows a teacher who begins to question his sexuality after a former student publicly outs him as being gay. I don't know. Um, shit. What is a Christmas story? (laughs) Oh, jeez. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. What is In and Out, which was a romantic comedy that my mother loved? Good name for a romantic comedy, the old In-N-Out. And a, and a porno. <laughs> the old In-Out, In-Out. Brett, you're up next. Man, I blew it. What a sophisticated joke. I'll go mus- <laughs> musicians in film for two. In Fight Club, his name was Robert Paulson. But on the music stage, he goes by this. Meat, what is Meatloaf? That is correct, although nice. who is Meatloaf may have been more appropriate. <laughs> what is Meatloaf? <laughs> that's his stage name. You asked what yeah, his stage what name was. What is Meatloaf? Right, he's a who, not a what, but that's okay. It was in the form of a question. You asked what his name was. A name that is a what. That would be the answer to this beef-based dish is usually baked. <laughs> and ketchup and onion. Brett loves this food. What is Meatloaf? It's all good. You got it. So uh, that puts you in the lead with two points. Stevie, you're up next. I always lose this in devastating fashion, so. Hit me with some live-action Disney characters for Dose. Emilio Estevez in The Mighty Ducks. What's his name? Yeah, each correct response is the name of the character. Uh, Can I respond? Does it have to be a who? Can I do a when or a what? Sure, why not? (laughs) How? (laughs) All right. Okay, it's uh, who is Gordon Bombay? That is correct. There we go. Josh, you're still with us, right? Film set in Indiana for one, please. (laughs) You'll shoot your eye out is said more than one time (laughs) in this holiday classic. Where is a Christmas story? (laughs) What is in and out? (laughs) I'm sorry. The correct response is what is in and out? Now you got it right. Of course, it is a Christmas story. Score update for the listeners. Pappy has negative three. Brett and Stevie have two. Josh has one. But as in uh, typical poor man's Jeopardy tradition, it's anyone's game. Pappy, you're up. Uh, Give me film set in Indiana for two, please, Kylo. Liam Neeson plays a professor of Indiana University and sexologist in this 2004 film. I don't know the name of them. Like, um, what is Kinsey? That is correct. Great job. You do know the name of the movie. Literally, well, I knew the name of the guy. I didn't know that was the name of the movie. Great job. (laughs) Well done, Pappy. 
I'm wearing an Indiana University sweatshirt right now. I would have been dis disalumni had I missed it. Um, I take musicians in film for three. All right, Brett, going for the big money. In the film Labyrinth, David Bowie plays the Goblin King, also known as this. Who is Gareth? Oh, that is so close. I'm sorry, it's who is Jareth. Oh! Oh my gosh. That is such a good guess, though, Brett. That sucks. My God! You're still not that far away from everyone else. Stevie, you're up. Uh, Give me uh, Harry Potter for two. Harry Potter movies for two. Gilderoy Lockhart is played by this person. Oh, you know, I think he's a director. I don't even know if I'm going to say his name correctly. So give me some leeway on this. Jareth. No, Jareth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can after the Gareth debacle. Who is Kenneth Branagh? That is correct. Let's go! Two points to Gryffindor. I'm a Hufflepuff man myself. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> All right, Josh, what you got? Harry Potter movies for one. The second entry in the Harry Potter film series. Josh has never seen a Harry Potter. Wentz. Of Wentz is the Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) Of Wentz. You wrote these books, you should know. Josh K. Rowling. Josh, please repeat. What is Chamber of Secrets? I will accept that. I would have also accepted what is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. They're all Harry Potter ands. I love that joke, by the way, though, Josh. And Wentz. (laughs) (laughs) Quick score update for the listeners. Thanks for giving that to me, though, Corey. You're a generous god. (laughs) No problem. Pappy, negative one. Brett, negative one. Stevie in charge with four. And Josh with two. Pappy, how will you affect the outcome of this game? Disney live action characters for three, please, Kyla. The kid in A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Fuck, I don't know. I've seen this movie. No guesses? No, hold on. Who is Henry Rowan Gardner? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Same. But I don't know his name. That is Rookie of the Year. Was it Calvin? <laughs> uh, who is Calvin of Reseda? Oh, oh, Stevie was I right? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, I'll take Harry Potter movies for three. Took my chance away. Can't win. I can't win, so. Neither can Josh, apparently. Oh, yeah. No, not uh, really. Yeah, I Stevie could Josh to win. Yeah, we could tie. You're good. Go for it, man. No, I, I, I'm not it's like you. I don't, I don't want... It's too late. It's too late, Brett. You picked the it's category. Yeah. All right, I guess we're playing on. Harry Potter movies for three. <laughs> Director of the first two Harry Potter films. Who is Chris Columbus? That yeah. is correct. Freaking one syllable off, and I'd be champ right now. Wouldn't it be Christopher? 
I think he goes by Chris. It's a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> it's a smart move. Like if my name was Eric Clapton, I'd go by Erica or something. <laughs> wow, bring it back. <laughs> Please keep bringing it back. If my name was Gary, I'd definitely go by Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, David Bowie. Um, I want Josh to have music because he seems more like a musical dude than me. So I'll go Disney live action characters for one. All right. If you get this correct, you do win the game, Stevie. I kind of want Josh and I to go to overtime. Hmm. Everybody Let's suck in. Orlando Bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Can I give him, like, the full name or no? First and last. Okay. Who is the son of Bootstrap Bill himself, <laughs> William Turner? That is correct. You best start believing in victories. You got one. Wait, he said, <laughs> he said Turner. Isn't it Turner? Turner. It's Turner. Turner. It was uh, an accent. Jareth, all over again. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Good win, Stevie. Josh. I'm going to do the last question on you just for fun. Okay. I'm going to let Brett answer it probably. In Purple Rain, the kid was played by Prince, who during the 90s dropped that title and became more widely known as this. What is what is the artist formerly known as Prince? That is correct. That is correct. Or the symbol. I had to say what is what is. Like just like that, right? <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have been. Yeah. Yes, that is correct, Josh. Very well done, Stevie. You are today's champion. I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a moment, send it over to Spoiler Man. We're gonna come back. You're gonna tell us your pick, and then we'll close it out. Let's do it. What you got to say, Spoiler Man? Special thank you to our patrons, Nick. I love his work. Druid King. Hot. Metro. Now that kid's got a future, huh? Brother Brian. You're so fine. If you would like to help spoilers continue to make podcasts, please consider going to patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Spoilers is now available on Audible. And we're back. Thank you very much, Spoiler Man. Stevie, our Poor Man's Jeopardy trivia champion, seems to win a lot when I do Poor Man's Jeopardy. I enjoy it. I assure you there's no funny business. It's rigged. Uh, Stevie, why don't you tell us what movie you're going to be hosting next time? Man, oh man. Well, like this episode I want to do isn't going to get released by Valentine's Day. So we're going to push off Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind for now, which is a banger of a valentine's day movie and we're gonna go with a guy who only directed one movie in his entire career his name is stevie as well uh his name is stephen king and that movie was maximum overdrive <laughs> Great choice. i cannot wait to spoil this movie because it is <sighs> is it bad? absolute nonsense yeah, and i can't wait for it <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, we're slowly but surely turning into big dumb movie. I love it. I was gonna say, Corey freaking <laughs> loves the bad movies. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Gordon Bombay. Uh, but thank you very much, Stevie. That's awesome. Uh, that's been a podcast. Thank you guys for joining me. Take it away, Spoiler Man. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Our spoilers hotline is 903-776-4507. That's 903-SPOIL-07. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Stevie dominant tonight. Spoiler man here. Dominant in trivia. I didn't know how to say Kenneth's last name. I've never heard it before. That's how I've always said it. So I hope that's I always right. I literally always lose this game in devastating fashion to Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> One time Mikey won. He did. That can't be right. What an upset. <laughs> He won, the he won first with time like I did zero, it. a score of flat zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. It was like some people had like negative six and stuff. Yeah. Was that- it during Spooky Spoilers that Brett did the hardest poor man's trivia like man has ever seen? Oh, for Predator? No, I did Predator. Okay, I didn't yeah. think it was. I didn't think it was hard at all. But yeah, nobody got. I think like one person got, got, got right. a question right. No, a couple people did. Corey won that, right? Yeah. Because there was like a, a movie quotes category or something. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I was like, I kept making it harder because I'm like, this is so easy. Yeah, nobody got it right. I mean, yeah, maybe I think a couple oh. people got, when Pappy's not getting the ones right about the evil dead, I knew I was in trouble. And that was at, actually at the end. Frank Oz directed In and Out? How have I never even heard of this movie? Yoda? Miss Piggy? Is it good? Uh... It's not really good. It's just a '90s <laughs> romantic comedy. It's they all kind of blend together to me because my mom used to have a lot of them playing in the house.
watch this you know, tonight. You know who hated Frank Oz? Marlon Brando. Why? I don't know. They he called her, he called used to call him Miss Piggy. He directed him in a movie once, and they just freaking did not get along. Well, that's Marlon with everybody. This might be a good summation of In and Out. Here's a letterbox review: two and a half stars. Fellas, is it gay to read a book? <laughs> oh, interesting. I, f- I feel like I know exactly what kind of movie this is <laughs> based on that review. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It might be a tad, say, outdated. Might be the way to put it. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing. Bob Newhart, though. How you doing, Stevie? <sighs> Nervous. What? <laughs> Still on the fence? No, I'm ready. That was spoilers.